this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, so it is the Waymaker number three. We have been working our way through the very literal Old Testament epic examples of God making a way where there is no way. And I think after this, we're going to go over some practical sort of how-tos, how to pray, how Jesus taught us to pray, um, some of the things the New Testament taught about prayer. But after that, I would love to do another testimony weekend like we did last fall. Do you all remember all of the testimonies we got to share last, did I say weekend? Last year. I don't know what I'm talking about. It was in November last year. I looked it up. And uh, so if you have a story of how God made a way for you where there was no way, right? It doesn't have to be a super epic Greg Waldy, you know, healed of bone cancer, had six weeks to live type of testimony, although those are amazing. We love them, right? But it doesn't have to be quite that epic. It can be God made a way in my finances. God made a way in my relationship. Like God made a way for me where there was no way. Um, just a testimony, right? Something amazing that God did. So if you have one of those, there is a way to let me know what that is. Write it down in the sermon notes. So there's a little form. You can write out your story. You can come and, and tell me it. Whatever. Last time we did this, there were so many awesome stories. People were too scared of this thing to share. But <laughs> I will share your story for you if you really want. I'm happy to read it or tell it in some way. I would just love to, to celebrate these stories together. So please let me know if you have one of those stories. I don't know the exact date yet, but at the end of this series, we're going to share. We're going to do a testimony weekend. Does that sound good? Awesome. Okay. Let's jump in to... Today, but I wanted to say one more thing. I only ask about these stories that they are true, of course, from your own life, and that you just step out with whatever faith that you have to share it, okay? If you have the boldness to stand up here with the microphone and share it, I would love that more than anything, but also I will read it for you. I will interview you about it. We can work it out, okay? I would just love to share your story. Okay, so we are going to move into... Exodus 14 today. Now, the whole book of Exodus, the entire Exodus story, is a big, one big way maker story. God made a way for his people to escape from slavery in Egypt in a way that was not possible. Okay, Pharaoh was not going to let those people go. Do you all remember this story enough to remember that detail? He was not letting them go. They were a free labor force for him. There was no way. He had no motivation to do so. But God made a way for his people. Right? Egypt in itself was a way for his people in the beginning. Right? But it, sometimes our biggest blessings can eventually become our, our biggest entanglements. Right? And that's what happened with Egypt and Israel. Initially, Egypt was, was a blessing. For Israel, But God made a way for them to get out, and it was not easy, but after ten plagues and lots of miraculous moves of God, Israel finally found themselves leaving. They were out, on their way out. And we're going to pick up the story today in a place where Pharaoh changed his mind about that. 
right? Even after 10 plagues, after he finally said, fine, go, get out. There's death surrounding you. I want you out of my country. He changed his mind, and he ended up chasing after them. And so we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 14, verse 10, and I want to read some of this to you today. So as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, which... I want you to notice, is correct for his people to do, even when they're dead wrong. We still cry out to the Lord, even when we're wrong. <laughs> okay, I, I always want to mention that because I have so many of you that come to me and say, I am not, <sighs> eventually through a conversation, we get down to the nitty gritty of like, I've been angry at God and I'm too ashamed to come to him. Or I'm ashamed because of what I've done. I'm, I'm afraid to approach God. We still approach God. Okay, even when we're wrong, he's still the right one to tell. But they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? They got a little sassy with him. What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. A little dramatic, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still. And sometimes standing still takes way more courage than running into battle. Should I say that again? Because some of us want to run, we want to do something, but there's so much spiritual growth happening in waiting seasons. And standing still seasons, and just planting yourself and refusing to be moved seasons. This is one of those times. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Which, by the way, I had a real problem with when I read this passage a little while ago. What, what do you mean why am I crying? Who else is there to cry out to? Right? Like, why would the Lord say this to Moses? But then I read back through the whole passage in context, and I realized it's right there in verse 4. God says, and once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory. So God told him the plan ahead of time. How often does that happen? Right? I mean, I almost never get the plan ahead of time from God. I would desperately love to have the plan ahead of time from God. I have in the past begged God to tell me the plan ahead of time, and I got little to nothing. So why are you crying out to me? <laughs> but he told him the plan ahead of time. He already told them. I mean, I would feel like a king if I got those answers from God. And then they happen so quickly. I never get it spelled out like that. But listen, I believe this is here to teach us something. Sometimes it's time to pray and sometimes it's time to move. Moses told the people to stand still, but God wasn't saying stand still in this moment. He was saying, move, right? In this case, God didn't want more prayer. He wanted obedience. 
Some of us are sitting around trying to earn God's protection and favor by just praying more. Right? Is it, is it more prayer that God wants from you, though, or is it simple obedience? Being, growing up in the church, I've been around people like this my whole life that just, I, I'm just seeking the heart of the Father for my life. And, and uh, you know, you hear these things, it's sappy and it's spiritual and it sounds really good. I just want to know God's will for my life. What does he want me to do? If he, he would just tell me, I would do it. I've been here, by the way, so I'm making fun of myself too. I've said these exact words. God, if you just tell me what to do, I will do it. And I've counseled lots of people through these conversations since then. What I believe God told me when I was seeking God's will for my life is go live your life. Just do it obediently. There is a whole spectrum of God's will. We often think there is one path for our life. God has predetermined this one path, and that's what we're to. But God has given us a great, big, amazing world to choose from. He just says, do it obediently. Move forward in obedience, but otherwise, do what you want. <laughs> Go have fun with life, right? Live it up, have fun, just do it obediently. I think a lot of times we overthink it and we overpray it. Yes, this passage shows us that there is such a thing as overpraying it. We can pray it to death. Don't get me wrong, prayer is a good thing. The Bible says pray constantly, pray always, pray through everything. But also get up and move. Why are you crying out to me? And sometimes it's, it's more about the fact that we didn't believe God the first time he said it. So we want to sit around and wait for him to give us another answer. <laughs> is there something else? Tell me something else that'll make me feel better. And God's saying, didn't you believe me the first time? Stop sitting around and whining about it and get moving. And then it's almost as if God has to spell it out for Moses, because honestly, he'd have to spell it out for me too. Because get moving where? Right? If, you, if you read the book of Exodus and, and some history around it, you'll know that they were literally trapped. God led them to a dead end. There were mountains on two sides a sea on the third, and an army that wants to kill them on the fourth side. They were trapped like, God, get moving where? Up the mountains? What, what are we taking these hundreds of thousands of people? What are we supposed to do? Something new I learned this week when I was researching this, though. And I actually have a YouTube video linked in your notes. The Red Sea is actually super deep, like deeper than the Grand Canyon in some places. I was watching this whole archaeology expedition uh, where I think it was like 20 years ago in the early 2000s, they were uh, trying to find where this actually happened in Egypt, like the actual place where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And they found chariots and like wheels and stuff actually in the Red Sea, coral growing all over them. So they know, they think this is where it actually happened. Um, but the remarkable thing about it is it, there are trenches in the Red Sea that, again, deeper than the Grand Canyon. I mean, it is a deep sea, but there is one place where there's almost like a land bridge through it. It's covered in water, but it's a land bridge where everywhere else is really deep, and it connects two sides of the Red Sea. One bridge... <laughs> One possibility, one way where there was no way. 
isn't that amazing? It just hit me this week. Like, remember my fictional story from the beginning of this series about one future opening up? God makes a way where there is no way. God, God either, I started getting in this thinking pattern this week. God either led them to one water-covered land bridge of the whole of the Red Sea that no one could have known about at the time. It's not like they had the technology to map out the seas back then, right? So he either led them to the one possibility or he built that bridge just for them right there on the spot. It's really fun to think about which one it might be. Did God plan for this since the beginning of creating the world or since the flood or when? (laughs) Was it always there or did he just create it for this moment? Either way, he makes a way where there is no way. Either way, still impossible because it was covered with water at the time, right? So verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. This is him giving him step-by-step instructions. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. And as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. So they had light to see God doing what he was doing here. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So they had light. They had wind. God not only made a way, but he made a way and allowed them to see it. He was building their faith here, leading them very carefully here at the beginning. Faith is not just mustard. It's not something we just try to have more of. It's, it's not like joy. We can put on joy, the Bible says, like clothing. Faith is not the same. Faith must be built brick by brick. Right? He was building their faith here, leading them very carefully at the beginning because they were so used to being slaves and being controlled. He had to very carefully grow them up a bit. He was moving them from servitude to sonship here. This pathway through the water could have very easily been a metaphorical pathway from servitude to my people. It wasn't just a pathway through literal troubled waters, but a metaphorical spiritual troubled waters as well. This is why sometimes the young in the faith, if you've ever been around somebody who just came to Jesus, like just recently, it seems like God speaks to them so easily, doesn't it? Like they're excited and passionate and they hear from God and his word jumps off the page and they feel the Holy Spirit in worship. As you mature in your faith, you feel like, well, God, why aren't you speaking to me like that? Right? They've been a believer for two seconds. Here I am 20 years later and I don't hear from you that easily. What's going on? Well, you've seen a thing or two. You shouldn't need quite that level of handholding anymore. 
The young in the faith need to be told what's coming. They need to see God doing it, and then they need to actually experience it in order to build the faith that you now have to complain about it. I used to get annoyed at God sometimes when I would see other people, like, get these dreams and, like, visions and prophetic words, and, like, I was jealous, let's be honest. Have you ever been jealous? Am I the only one? Yes, I thought so. Good. Good to know. But I, I seriously, I was, God, we're pretty tight, aren't we? Like, why don't you send me dreams? Until one day, some of you will remember Pastor Marv. Uh, so this was a long time ago. Pastor Marv expressed the same annoyance one time, and he said he felt like God told him, why would I need to send you dreams when you, Marvin, respond so well to my whispers? And I thought, oh, hmm. Forgot. God speaks in whispers, too. Some people are gifted with dreams and, you know, prophetic words, and some it's a gift as well. It's not necessarily an indication of maturity, okay, but giftedness in some cases. But to me, it opened up a whole other level of, oh, I can just sit with God, and he can speak to me, and it's, it's the same as him giving me a dream or a word or, okay, I'm not just spiritually immature, <laughs> I'm listening, right? And it's okay. My point here is God was leading them carefully. They got to see the waters open up. They got to see the dry ground, even though it was the middle of the night. There's so many ways that God was making a way here, and it was not just physically crossing a bridge in the middle of a sea. They were crossing into being his people. They had to trust him carefully. And so verse 22, so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before the dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making the chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Some things I want you to see today from this passage. God sometimes seems to lead us to a dead end. Have you ever felt like you've been led to a dead end with God? I think this is where most of us gets, we get tripped up a little bit. We think we're following God and everything is good. And then then we see a dead end quickly approaching and we put on all the stops. Like losing a job, a relationship failing, an illness, a big move or change in life. Dead ends find us all the time. And then we sit around and we cry out to God, like, why did you lead me here? Did you lead me here? Am I even hearing from you anymore? How could you do this to me? We don't know that there's a bridge under all that water. We don't remember that God knows what he's doing, even when it appears that we're at a dead end. He knows what he's doing. He knows better than we do. That there's a bridge under all that water. We don't know that God made a way out of this before we were even born. We don't know that it's not a dead end at all, but a brand new beginning that's going to be better than we could ever have imagined. That God was setting Israel up here to be free, free. Totally, complete, not just free, but also debt free, by the way. Because they, they had borrowed a bunch of stuff on their way out of Egypt. 
<laughs> they took a whole bunch of stuff with them. And now their debtors were underwater. Supernatural debt cancellation. And no one is chasing them, changing their mind. Right? God did something amazing on so many different levels to get these Israelites free and clear. We always think we know better, don't we? The sooner you accept that God knows more about everything than you do, the better. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to trust him. He's trying to lead you out of servitude and into sonship. This hit me like a ton of bricks this week. When you're a slave, you often think there is only slaves and masters. Right? Because essentially everyone who isn't a slave is your master. It's why when you're struggling with a particular sin, you think everyone is. Listen carefully to people. They give themselves away sometimes. When you think everyone is a crook, because you are. When you think everyone is a liar, it's because you lie. Right? Everybody steals. When you're in slavery, you think everyone is either a slave or a master. But there's a third option, actually. Being a son or daughter of the master. We get all the perks as believers of being a master, being with God, without the responsibility of actually having to be in charge or knowing it all. That's his job, right? It's, it really is the best place to be when you can trust and be obedient to the master. The revelation I got this week was that we are all out there trying to be king instead of sons or daughters of the king. Our rightful place as believers isn't to have all the authority. That's God's job. But we do operate on his authority as sons and daughters. Right? It's not to have all the power. That's God's job. But we operate on his power as sons and daughters of the king. Right? But we're still stuck in the slavery mindset instead of a family mindset. It's not slaves and masters. It's our father in heaven and we're his sons and daughters. It's a kingdom mindset, right? We have power, but he is the power. We've got authority, but he is the authority. Keep trying to be king instead of drawing on the king's power, knowing our place within that power struggle. Keep pulling back the reins. Keep trying to be in charge, but we couldn't see the way out. We couldn't have seen that there was an underwater bridge nor could we have crossed it even if we could see it. To us, it was a dead end. In our natural mindset, it was a dead end. But to God, it was a way. He is the way maker, not us. Right? He, not me, certainly not you. The sooner that we accept that and settle into our position as heirs and not the king, the one in control, the better. Which is why the second thing I want you to see today is that simple obedience... Not more just spirituality, religiosity, is what God is asking of you. Simple obedience. So if you can just trust and obey, right? If you're not obeying scripture in some area and you know it, if you're not tithing, if you're having sex outside of marriage, if you're lying, if you're stealing, if you're cheating, if you're being arrogant and unkind to the people around you, if you're mistreating your family, I put extra exclamation points behind this one in my notes because there is a reason that treating your family right is a qualification for ministry. It's important. It is a model of 
God and his family. Every single little family is like a little church, like a little kingdom. God is the head. If you're not treating your family well, if they are not your first ministry, what are you even doing here? It's important. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not serving others, if you're in obvious disobedience somewhere, and you know it, but are unwilling to change, because there are lots of places where we don't know it yet, right? And God leads us as we're ready. But if you know it, if God has pointed out to you and you are unwilling to change, then no amount of prayer is going to help you see God as the way maker that he is. Be obedient. Live right. Start to dive into the scriptures and be obedient to them, or you will be the one under the waves instead of walking through them. That one stung a little bit coming out of my mouth, going to be honest. Be obedient, or you will be the one under the waves instead of walking through them. Just obey. Sometimes we try to skip a step. We want to be more spiritual than godly. Be more prophetic, more preachy. We want to be looked up to in the church. And we want all of that more than we want to be godly at home. It's not what God is asking of you. He's asking you to trust and obey him. Just trust him with the promotions and the respect. And even the Bible knowledge and the skill. So many of us, we, we want to jump ahead in that area. All of that will come. Just trust and obey him in the what you see as little things. They're not actually little things. But we often see them as little things. Just trust and obey him in the little things. And he will give you more. He's got that part. All he, I mean, God did all of the parting of the Red Sea, right? All Moses had to do was raise his staff and walk. God did the rest. We just have to trust him with the movement. When you are simply obeying and trusting his guidance, then he fights your battles. If you can trust and obey him, he will fight your battles. He is the way maker, but you have to be doing your part. It's not the earning of our salvation that we're doing here because God's love is unconditional. But he is a good God who does discipline his children. He is going to allow you to feel the consequences of your actions when you're not in right relationship with him. But when you are, man, the grace... So much grace and mercy when you are doing your best to follow Jesus with everything that you have. Yes, we still make mistakes. Yes, we still react out of fear or doubt or worry or pain. But when we're honestly, truly trying to follow Jesus with everything that we have, with a humble heart and a heart of repentance when we mess up, there is so much grace there. See, an important element to this story of freeing the slaves that you have to understand is God saw them as worth saving. Even knowing everything they had done, everything they would do, because we know the rest of the Exodus story, they mess up a lot. Even knowing that they didn't trust him yet, he saw them as worth saving. Now, as believers, we've been adopted into that family, so he sees you as worth saving today. Jesus came to prove that to us. He made a way for us where there was no way. That's the gospel. Without Jesus, there is no relationship with God. We can never be holy enough or good enough or spiritual enough to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father unless we call on the name of Jesus. He is the way. 
we use his blood to cover our sins because sin is, is death. Selfishness is death to everything it touches. Jesus is life. Today, my question for you is, do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to be led to a dead end if he asked you to? Because Jesus did. Jesus was led to, it couldn't be a more dead end than the cross. His life, literally, he was willing to put on that cross and die to himself in every possible way. And his reputation, his friends, his family, his literal body, he was so much pain. In every sense of the word, he was led to a dead end. But God, we know a resurrecting God. Or death is not the end. The cross was not the end. It was raised again to life. I mean, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, the Bible did. Lots of prophecies. We saw it coming. But in our natural sense, there's no way you would see that coming. He is the way maker. Because oftentimes, how it feels when you're living for Jesus is that you, you come across some dead ends. It feels like, you know, I don't have enough energy, don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough Bible knowledge, I don't have enough in my natural, I don't have enough, God. There's nothing you can use here. Thank you, guy. But in Israel's case, they didn't have enough warriors, enough weapons to defeat Pharaoh. They didn't have enough time to take another route. They didn't have enough land to settle there. They didn't have enough anything to make it out of that situation. But they had God. God is that missing ingredient of the miracle. Right? God works best when we have nothing left, actually. In our weakness, he is strong. He is the way maker. So do you trust him? Even in the furnace, in the fire, in the lion's den... In the unwinnable battles, the Dead Sea, do you trust him? You'll know because of how you react in those crisis moments. Do you give it all to him? Do you go to him in prayer even when you're complaining and trying to run the wrong direction and reacting in fear and anger? Do you go to him? Do you ask him for the way out? Are you obedient to scripture or are you trying to find a disobedient option to get yourself out of the crisis? I have three responses to this message today. Before we pray, I want to ask you to consider. First of all, and I always offer Jesus, if you don't know him today, give your life to him. It is so good. I present it as difficult sometimes because it is. I mean, you will find dead ends in this walk with Jesus. But on the other side, there is life. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. So many times I come up against what feels like a dead end. I feel like I'm dying, but it's for God. And sometimes it's necessary for me to die to myself, right? For God to bring about resurrection, for God to bring about life that I didn't know I had. 
bring about new gifts and talents within me. He can't pour new wine into an old wineskin, the Bible says. He has to make you into a new wineskin to pour in the new wine, the new anointing that he wants to give you. Oh, following Jesus is so good, so refreshing, gives you a brand new start and lease on life. It is so good. That is the first way to respond to this and always. The second is maybe some of us need to be obedient in what we have perceived as a little area. Something small or that we see as small. Finances or being patient with our children at home or uh, our relationships, our workplace, our something that you perceive as little, but God has been calling you to step up in this area and you just haven't been willing to do it yet. I just I feel God calling some people to repentance today. <clears throat> Be obedient to him in that. And the third way to respond to this is... I, I got to let him fight my battles. Some of us are always trying to pull back the reins. We're trying to control everything. We just got to let him do it. You know what? I'm just going to move forward in, in faith and obedience and let God handle the way making. Amen? Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, today, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is useful to teach us, to correct us, to guide us. Thank you that we can pull out truths from it, that even though this happened 3,500 years ago, probably, that we can still see it as relevant to our lives, that we can look at the Israelites and your relationship and, and make decisions for our own relationship with you based off of it that you thank you that your word is living and active and useful to teach us correct us guide us lead us into all repentance thank you for that today and we stand on it in jesus name convict hearts today holy spirit help us understand where we need to step up where we need to give over a little bit more control where we need to surrender our will to yours Help us see that there is so much life on the other side of that. And sometimes it's so hard to let go of that thing that we, we feel like we can't live without. There is so much life on the other side. God, convict us. Show us where we can step up, where we can change, where we can become more like you today. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, I want to give you a chance to respond to that first one, just to respond to Jesus. Give your life to him to say, I'm in to following him and, and all that that entails. I want to know my heavenly father. I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up, but I want a fresh start with him. I want to give my life to him today. Have my sins forgiven and move forward into this new life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand if you're in this room? I'm in. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody like that here today? If you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen. I would love to have that conversation with you. Okay. Thank you. Maybe for you, it's about being obedient in a little area. You're saying, I feel that 
conviction in my soul. I feel like I need to repent. I feel like I need to step up and be obedient. That's me today. Would you just raise your hand in recognition of that? God is tugging on my heart. I know what I need to do. I'm just going to pray for you in a moment that you have the courage and the passion, conviction to do that. Thank you for those. And third, I need to let him fight my battles. I recognize now that I've been trying to pull back control and I need help to give God the control. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Father, thank you for each and every hand raised this morning, for each and every decision made toward you, each and every reaction to this word. Thank you that your word is so good. It shows us all of these things. Thank you for it in itself being a way where there was no way. We get tangible words of God. That is miraculous in and of itself. Thank you for using it in our lives. I thank you for being the way maker, that you are the provider, the deliverer, the comforter, the healer. You are the the flag we follow into battle. You are our source for all good things. God, help us to come to you when things are tough. When, When we come to a dead end, help us to reach out to you. God, be there for us in times of trouble. Be our refuge in times of trouble, the place that we run to and find safety. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us. Thank you, God, for being the way maker. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Pastor Candace a round of applause? Love, good word. I need to be honest with you. I've been having a bad attitude <laughs> last day or two. And here's why. I won't take long because something I've been believing for has still not arrived and it's been years and in things it seems almost like I'm being stirred up more and it's Lord this is not making sense why and I got a bad attitude I had to confess this word is really good are you willing to trust God and then I think uh, uh, Candace can correct me in this if I'm wrong. The last three waymakers all had obedience in it. Obedience as the key. And if there's disobedience, it won't happen, or there's delay. But also, what was more difficult for Daniel to go to the lion's day or lion's den in a day, or for Moses or David or Joseph? to wait for the dream, wait for the deliverance 40, 20, 13 years. What's the harder? Sometimes your faith, my faith, is not a crisis of being thrown into the lion's den, but it's simply being obedient over day, week, month, and years with trusting God that he will bring that which he put in your heart. He is the way maker. He will bring it about. And I just seem to not learn that. (laughs) And I wish I would. By God's grace, Holy Spirit's working in us. Amen. Is he working in you? Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we thank you for the word today. 
We thank you, Lord, that you are for us. You love us. You are carrying us. And as Ken's last point, that sometimes it's just simply that you're fighting the battle for us and we need to let go and let you fight that and trust that you will bring it about at the right time. We lay that for each one of us here. We lay it at your feet, declaring that you are fighting our battles and we trust in you to perform your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 